welcome back to Always and Forever, a One Tree Hill podcast where two lifelong friends and superfans analyze and dissect the greatest teen show from the early 2000s. Hell yeah, we are back for fucking season three, our favorite season. Caitlin, I am so excited. We're back, baby. I know, my favorite season too. I can't wait to dive in. But before we get into all of the fun season three things, you got to tell everyone what you did in June because it's super, super cool. And it's vampire related. (laughs) It is vampire related. Very vague. What if we just left people with that? It's like, it's vampire related. Just just go check it out. You have to find it for yourself. Hint, hint, everyone, what does Jeremy talk about on this podcast all the time? (laughs) Yes, so I was a guest on Buffer and the Vampire Slayer. They had a live taping in Philadelphia on June 12th, and the episode got released for everybody on June 29th. It is on season seven, episode 16, Storyteller, and it was so much fun. Like, if anybody knows me, you'll know that Buffer the Vampire Slayer was such an inspiration for me to start my own TV rewatch podcast. They are just, like, the fucking best, and I am very, very excited for this episode to get released, because as we record this, the episode has not been released yet, but it's gonna be really cool. And I can't wait. So check it out on all podcast platforms. And Caitlin, you need to watch up through season seven, episode 16 of Buffy. <laughs> so you can listen to this episode. I am really slow moving. There was a bit of a hiatus and I'm sorry about that. You're on season two now, right? I'm still season two. Yep. You're just starting. I'm telling you, like, keep going. I know. I know. I'm going to watch some this week. I am so, so happy for you that you were able to have that opportunity. Like, it's so freaking cool and i can't wait to listen to the episode whenever i get in like two years from now (laughs) i'll tell you once you get through like these these few rough episodes of season two it'll be like an upward trajectory from here we're recording this on june 18th right now so by the time this episode is released we will do a check-in like what episode of buffy are you on now caitlin oh gosh you're (laughs) including the dates and i'm held accountable Yes, Jeez, Jeremy. this is accountability measure, okay? But anyway, that's our Buffy side tangent for this episode, okay? So, just a few minutes ago, Caitlin and I got finished with our first ever live watch over on our Discord, which is exclusive to patrons, and we actually watched this episode, uh, Season 3, Episode 1, Like You Like an Arsonist, and we had one major revelation that we didn't realize back when we recorded this episode a few months ago. <laughs> I know! So, we talk about it in the episode, where the heck does Haley live throughout the summer? Because she arrives at the end of season two, and then suddenly she's there at the beginning of season three, after, like, the three-month time jump thing. But it's like, where was she living? Because suddenly she's at the apartment with Brooke. Yeah. And someone posited the theory that, like, uh, maybe she was living with Lucas during the summer. But then we ended up figuring out that Haley essentially didn't tell Lucas that she was back in town until after the summer was over. So she went three months not speaking to Lucas. I know, because there's a scene that we just totally missed when we originally recorded this, where they're on the river court, and Lucas is excited to see Haley. 
And the way we figured it out was that uh, Haley was wearing a shirt, a very specific shirt, uh, when she says hello to Lucas. And then we see her in, a, in another scene later where she's wearing the same shirt and she comes back to Karen's cafe to work. So at that point, Karen's already back in town. So yeah, three months, she did not say hello to Lucas, which is really weird if that's your best friend's. I know. So I feel like the best thing that we can theorize about it all, which I actually said in the original episode, which you'll hear in a little bit, is that Haley left again to go back on tour and then came back after the summer was over. I mean, that's the only thing that like logically makes sense. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> As we always say on the show, time has no meaning in Tree Hill. Still rings true. Take a drink, because we just said that. That'll be part of the always and forever drinking game. Basically. <laughs> that we always talk about. <laughs> Started. <laughs> but regardless of all of that craziness, trying to figure the timeline out, we had a ton of fun on our live watch. Yes. It reminded me back in the day, uh, Caitlin, back when you and I used to text each other during the show, like during commercial breaks, be like, hey, like, did you see that? Did you see what happens? <laughs> I know, we would text each other the whole episode. It was adorable, really. <laughs> yeah, so it brought back uh, great memories for that. And it was just fun to like watch it with like fellow fans, fellow listeners, and we will definitely be doing this again at some point. And we're still figuring out the format on what that will look like. We may like put it up for a vote on what episode you all would want to watch with us. So stay tuned for more info on that. I'm so excited. Yes. But until then, let's get into this episode. So this week we are discussing Like You, Like an Arsonist, the first episode of season three, which was written by the show's creator, directed by Greg Prange, and originally aired on the WB on October 5th, 2005. Always and forever is spoiler free, but stay tuned after the credits for a fully spoiled discussion. Somebody told me that this is the place where everything's better and everything's safe. We pick up right where we left off on the night of the fire. Nathan, Deb, and Haley go to the dealership and see that Dan survived the fire. Nathan tells Haley that he's going to high flyers for the summer. Haley apologizes to Nathan for everything and tells him that she never stops loving him. He says that while he loves her too, he just doesn't trust her. Peyton tells Lucas that a woman showed up and claims she's her mother. She later finds out from her dad that her biological mother is still alive. Peyton's adopted parents ask Ellie not to make contact unless Peyton requested it. Lucas tells Peyton that he did something tonight that he can't take back. Three months later. Lucas waits at the airport for Karen's return from New Zealand, and he runs into Brooke, who thinks he's waiting for her. Awkward. Yeah, awkward turtle. (laughs) (laughs) Brooke suggests to Lucas that they have a summer-like fling, but in the fall. They decide to date non-exclusively, so they are still able to see other people. Brooke rents Nathan and Haley's old apartment and asks Haley to live with her. Dan recovers from his burns and can't remember the night of the fire, but vows revenge against the person who tried to kill him. In other news, Mouth and Erica broke up because she got too popular. Deb asks Dan for a divorce, and he agrees to it. And Peyton hasn't seen Ellie all summer, but Lucas tells her that she's back in town. Taking pictures for my How I Spent My Summer Vacation collage, I'm Caitlin Olenich. 
And somehow not living anywhere this summer at all. I am Jeremy Rodriguez. (laughs) That is a major, major question that they do not address at all. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so if you haven't watched the episode recently, friends, um, you notice that Haley she goes back to uh to Nathan at uh at Deb's place. It was the end of the school year at that point. And then we see her somehow go back to the apartment where Brooke is very much still around and you know, in town. And that's three months later. So where did Haley live during those three months? Like, did she live with Deb? <laughs> Which I feel, feel like that could be awkward. I know, right? I know they're on better terms than they were like a season ago. But still, that could definitely be really awkward. It doesn't make much sense at all. Because why is Haley just thinking like, let me go back to our apartment and try to rent it? <laughs> <laughs> after she's been home for three, three months. months after the fact. I, oh, such a plot hole. Such a plot hole. <laughs> <laughs> Not only that, but like, uh, she doesn't decide to start working at Karen's cafe until Karen comes back three months later. Again, where does she get this money? Wherever she was staying. <laughs> like, what did she do? And like, so did she come back and then... Did she go on tour for the summer and then she came back like when the school year was going to start? I like that headcanon, honestly. Because that, that <laughs> crossed my mind while I was watching, too. But 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 why would Haley go back to the tour? That's such a betrayal of Nathan, you know? Why on earth would she do that? Because she had nothing else to do all summer. <laughs> really? She had nothing else? She wasn't working? She wasn't doing anything? And also... When does she get reunited with Lucas? Is that, like, is that the beginning of the summer, or is that three months later? I know, we don't see that. Because I'm not sure, like, what the, like, what that time frame is, you know? Yeah, I guess we never really see a scene. Huh, good point. I guess it would make sense if she lived with Lucas for that period of time. Like, come on, she could stay in Karen's room. Like, nobody's in that room, you know? Yeah, that's also true. But again, like... When did she actually meet meet up with Lucas? When did she get reunited with him and say, hey, I'm back? <laughs> yeah, that's, wow. There's so many questions. <laughs> but whatever, as this is just another example of time has no meaning in Tree Hill and we will never understand these little plot holes. So let's just move on to talking about the song that this episode is titled after, which is Like You, Like an Arsonist by Paris, Texas Group. I mean, do you want to share your thoughts first? Because <laughs> this is another song that just honestly confuses me. <laughs> so, I mean, I-, I feel like it's as easy as saying, like, oh, the song has about, they use the word arsonist. There was an arsonist who set fire to the dealership. Oh, so cool. But I also feel like it could relate on a deeper level. Like, in the in the chorus, the lyrics are... Because you are my perfect match, and you light up everything around you, I feel like an arsonist, and it's not an accident that you light up everything around you. And I feel like a lot of these characters are being reunited with their special someone. Like, Brooke and Lucas are getting reunited. Nathan and Haley are getting reunited. And now they have some sort of, like, meaning to how to move forward. 
they 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 have some sort of direction. I know Nathan Haley are kind of in a mess right now, but the fact that Haley is in town, I feel like there still is some level of clarity that they have about moving forward. And I'd even say on the opposite level too. Like look at look at Deb and Dan. They decide to get a divorce in this episode too. They have that level of clarity. So yeah, while it's not like they're. Uh, it's not the most positive relationship or anything like that, but they, I feel like they still know how to move forward, and that's the fire that's getting lit, essentially. Like, the fire's getting lit under their ass. Ah, that's a good point. If that makes sense. Yeah, it's like, they've got all these characters have gotten to a point where, like, they have to make a decision one way or the other. Yes. You know? That's a great way Like, to they it. can't avoid any longer. Like, this summer, for example, with Brooke and Lucas, it was... Like, they were separated, so they didn't have to really come to terms with, like, are they going to be in a relationship or not? <laughs> now they have to make that decision. Dan has recovered, or is in the process of recovering from the fire, so now Deb feels like, okay, now we need to make a decision about our relationship. So, yeah, that's a really good point that I hadn't thought of. Yeah. What were your general thoughts on this? I know you didn't really have much to say <laughs> before. Yeah, lately you've been doing a much better job than me with these <laughs> Am I doing a good job, or am I really reaching? That is the question about some of these songs. It sounds good, at least. (laughs) Well, thanks. (laughs) No, I like, because I feel like the fire is basically, like, this whole metaphor, and I think the song encapsulates that. And there's also this line saying, um, and we were were both born on the 4th of July, and it repeats that later, saying, and they were both born on the 4th of July. So I'm not sure really why the switch between we and they but oh yeah that's interesting i mean you think of obviously fourth of july fireworks so i feel it like takes that, place toward the summer yeah oh. that totally adds <laughs> to this whole metaphor and i i feel like and we were both born on the fourth of july it almost is like a new beginning in a way too i i kind of see it like that and i think oh, that just yeah. connects to what you were saying too like all these characters are they're making choices and it is like a new beginning, basically. They're starting over. Right. Oh, that does make a lot of sense. Um, on, a, on a completely different note, though, like, I, I'm just thinking about how, uh, you know, these characters have a little bit of clarity. Let's talk about Brooke and Peyton for a second. Do you realize, like, uh, Brooke is talking to Lucas and she says, okay, I gotta go see Peyton and deal with this whole my mother is back scenario. And I'm like, Brooke, did you not talk to her all summer? <laughs> I've thought of that too. Oh my gosh. It's like they didn't talk on the phone at all. <laughs> yeah. They didn't, like, they didn't aim each other. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. That was, like, so alarming. I'm just, that's where I make it. it. It just seems very obvious. Like, these, uh... These writers are all older, white men. And I'm like, do you understand how teenage girls work? Like, they're going to be talking to each other every other day. I mean, I guess you could look at it as like they didn't get to talk in person, which in today's world, we would be, you know, video chatting with each other. Right. (laughs) That really wasn't like a thing then. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. That's another thing. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. (laughs) I just immediately clogged that when she said that. I'm like, you didn't talk to her at all? Like, what kind of friend are you? You didn't talk about all these boys you hooked up with to pay it either? Come on now. I don't buy it, Brooke. I know. <laughs> and especially it's such a big, big revelation in Peyton's life. Like, how would they have not talked about it? Right. Whatever. 
Move it on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about these cliffhanger resolutions. Woo! <laughs> I love it. I just love the whole moment. It's so exciting. That's how you know. Like, this episode's about to be lit. <laughs> no pun, literally, no pun intended there. I know we did a lot of puns in our finale, but no, that really was unintended right there. <laughs> Get out of here. Because the fire just, like, blows out of the dealership, like, right as, like, that note hits. It's so good. It is. It's an iconic premiere, like, opening scene, basically. With the whole song, the image, picking up right where we left off in the season two finale. Like, it's, oh, I love it so much. The mm-hmm. one thing that I have issue with, though, <laughs> in regards to Nelly, that scene where we we got the scene in the season two finale. And now we get a repeat of it. However, her high sounds different and it bothers me so so much did you notice that (laughs) i did notice that well okay like i noticed that after you pointed it out to me a a few weeks ago but yeah it's weird i don't know why they didn't just use a different clip for like use the clip of her saying hi from the season two finale and then cut away to nathan's reaction and then that will be the new stuff I don't understand why they didn't use that either, because they could have then, like you said, just moved to, like, extended the scene with new um, film, basically. <laughs> yeah. Unless they wanted to have the continuity with her. Like, I-, I didn't pay attention. Like, does does Bethany Joy Lenz's hair look exactly the same as it does? Yeah, I'd have to compare in the premiere. Maybe they just wanted a level of continuity right there. Because I will tell you another thing they do not care about the continuity for. If you pay attention to Deb's hair from the um, scene from the season two premiere when her and uh, Nathan are hugging each other, and that's when they say, like, oh, I've been alone all night. Oh, I had something I had to do. Which we know, that's very sus behavior. What is that about? But you see, Deb's hair is very short and, like, shoulder length. And then when you see her come out to uh, tell Nathan Haley, like, hey, it's your father. We got to go to the dealership. Her hair is, like, almost down her back. I didn't notice that. I mean, I noticed, we'll get to that in a second, Peyton's hair. But I had yes. no <laughs> idea. I wasn't paying attention to Deb like that, I guess. Yeah. It's it's very subtle. Like, it's you only really notice it if you're really paying attention. But, oh, I was paying attention. Now, they used... <laughs> So the, the thing is, they used the same scene with Deb and Nathan, correct? Yes, they did. Because yeah. that seemed consistent to me. I didn't watch them like back to back or anything, but that, it didn't seem different. I could totally notice the Haley's high. Her high in the season two finale was so much better than the high in the season three premiere. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It just had so much more emotion in season two. And this one... Was just different. I don't know. I feel that. I remember you uh, talking to me about this a few weeks ago, and I tried to come up, and at that point, I haven't rewatched the episode, and I came up with the excuse, like, maybe they wanted it to be consistent with their tans from over the summer and whatnot, but, like, honestly, they look exactly the same. Both James and Joy look the same. Now, without spoiling anything, the season four premiere, they essentially recontextualize some of the scenes and they are very very tan in those scenes and that's something we'll talk about and we get when we get to that season but yeah you said that to me and 
You know, I, that is not something that I ever picked up on. But I have not seen season four in years. So I will be watching it with fresh eyes when we get there. <laughs> Yeah, it's very similar to like what they what they do here. They show some of the scenes again with some new content, and the scenes that they are quote unquote showing again are completely different. And it's because the actors are so tan. I think they may have gotten a raise on their paychecks or something and went away on these summer vacations because the actors are so tan. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's crazy. So wait till you watch season four. It's much more glaring than this high scene. <laughs> I'm I'm super curious now. I almost want to watch yeah. just like a clip of season four. <laughs> Which we'll get there in a few months. <laughs> oh gosh. But Peyton's hair. <laughs> yes. They tried to make it look consistent, but her hair is definitely way longer in these flashback scenes than it actually was. And with a very bad wig. <laughs> it's very interesting to me because the beach scene with Peyton and Lucas at the end of season two, they use the same scene. They add to the scene. You can see she hugs Lucas. So she's turning and you can see just like the back of her head because it was like a close up scene. And then she yeah. like turns away. And if you really pay attention, you know, there's a shift in her hair. Oh, really? Yes. I clocked it both times I watched it. Oh, wow. Okay, I missed that part, but yeah, that doesn't surprise me, though. Because they had to, they obviously cut away. And like, new content! Why did they just reshoot the scene? Yeah, I... And you also think, like, if they knew... I guess they can't start filming season three until, like, they come back for season three. But you would think, like, they could just film it all at once <laughs> if they knew they were going to pick up right where they left off. I don't know how that works. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like... Even though I'm criticizing the season four premiere, at least they actually Tried. refilmed the scene. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Even though it's not consistent between the two. You have two separate scenes, but at least they did something to try to work around it for continuity yeah. purposes. Yeah, they tried. They just, her hair needed to be a little bit shorter. It really looked more like season one Peyton's hair than it did look like season two. Her hair goes through such a journey. And I have to say, I really love her season three hair. Yeah. I, I think it just may have been something like they probably just didn't prepare for the facts that Hillary was going to get a haircut. Yeah. Which looks awesome, by the way. I love her hair this season. I think this is an underrated uh, Peyton hairstyle. Um, and they just weren't ready for it. <laughs> They're like, oh shit, we have to resolve these cliffhangers. What do we do? <laughs> yep. It really, her hair in season three really suits her. So it's probably, her season three hair is probably my top two favorite. I won't say what other seasons, um, but I really like this. It, it just suits her. It just, it really suits her. It's so good. You know what hair I also kind of fell in love with? Not the change of subject. We'll talk about what happens between Lucas and Peyton in a bit. But I kind of like Brooke's hair nowadays. Back then, I didn't like it so much. Oh, I love the bangs. Back then, I hated it. <laughs> I don't know why. I just, like, really genuinely didn't like it. But nowadays, I really, really like it. Don't be like, like the creator it, of this show, Jeremy. Yeah, I know. I'm going to Z-stop you. What can one is uh, referring to, if you haven't been listening to Drama Queens? Um, essentially, Sophia came back with this haircut. And then the toxic-ass creator of the show tried to say, like, Oh, you know, the, none of these uh, cheerleaders with that hairstyle ever wanted to fuck me. Like, how dare you come back with that haircut? Ugh. 
so cringe and so stupid and unnecessary. I really like the bangs on her. Yeah. It makes it feel like she came back from the summer. Like, you know how the new school year, you have a new do sometimes. Yeah. I don't know. It kind of gives that whole vibe. I genuinely like it. It's different. Yeah. I do too. Do you know what movie she was filming when um, Dornis said she cut her hair for that movie? Oh, what movie? It was the movie Stay Alive. I don't think I ever saw that. Did you? You you shouldn't see that movie. I I pers- if you love that movie, you love that movie with your bad South listeners. But it's a movie where um Fr- Frankie Muniz is also in it. Just a little side note, and it's about a group of people who play video games. And they play this one game called Stay Alive, and if you die in the video game, you die for real. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. It wasn't and good. And Sophia Bush dies! Oh, jeez. She delivers an iconic line now to the killer. She says, go fuck yourself. And I was really excited, because I'm like, oh my god, that's the first time I ever heard Sophia Bush say the fuck word. <laughs> oh, wow. Huh. Yeah, I've never seen that, so it just wasn't a good quality movie. Yeah, I didn't like it. I mean, back in the day, I saw it with the sole purpose of seeing Sophia Bush, because I was really excited. But I remember not liking it very much. And it might be because my judgment is colored by the fact that she dies, and I didn't want to see her die. But who knows? Maybe I need to rewatch it. Maybe it could be an episode of Baker Soundstage. I don't know. Well, if we're going to do horror (laughs) movies, we should definitely do Hitcher. Yes. Because that, I remember, I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen that, but I remember that was decent. Oh, that's a fucking great movie, yeah. That was early One Tree Hill when she filmed that, right? I, I would say she was... It came out in 2007. Oh, never mind. So yeah, she was She was probably filming it like around this season, like maybe maybe like the summer between season three and four, I would assume. Yeah, it's, it's badass Sophia Bush, that's for sure. Yeah. It's, if you want to watch the deleted scenes of that movie, too, the deleted scenes make it even better. Oh, wow. I, I don't think I've ever seen it. Those. You ha- you definitely have. No, I've seen we'll the movie, about- but not the deleted scene. You've you've seen this deleted scene because I remember I, I remember I let you borrow my DVD. I remember that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and you absolutely loved it. And I remember telling you watch the deleted scene. And you were like, yeah, but okay, okay. Well, yeah, we'll talk about that afterwards in case we do decide to do an episode on this. Um, because I'm not going to spoil this movie. I will spoil Stay Alive for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> But I won't spoil the hitcher. <laughs> okay, yeah, that we can put that in our vampire diaries. <laughs> Potentially, we'll do oh, that geez. in the future. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, let's talk about the uh, the scene between uh, Peyton and Lucas. We see Peyton tell Lucas like this woman came to my door tonight. She said she was my mother. My mom's dead, Luke. And then you see there's one moment where it cuts to Lucas's reaction. And Lucas's hand is just, like, positioned in such a way where it's cradling Peyton's picture in the background that says, sometimes they come back. And I'm like, talk about on the nose, One Tree Hill. <laughs> I never noticed that, but you sent me the picture, and <laughs> that is wild. It's so it's like, I see what you're trying to do, but a little bit too much. I mean, I didn't notice it, but it's like too obvious once you do notice it. <laughs> I notice the position in the background, but then when I paid closer attention, so like right when it cuts away to his to his reaction, and you see Chad's like hand <laughs> position in such a way, it is so ridiculous. Oh, that is hilarious. But then we hear uh, 
ambulance sirens. And then Peyton's like, what, Lucas? And then Lucas is like, I did something tonight, Peyton. And I can't take it back. That's really sus. (laughs) What is Lucas talking about? And then we go to the dealership. And then we see Nathan, Haley, and Deb. They're crowded around. There's firefighters around. And they're, like, wondering, like, what's happened to Dan? And then some, somebody from the fire department or the ambulance, I don't remember who it was, they say, like, oh, they didn't tell you? <laughs> Which, I gotta say, if you're an emergency responder, why would you just lead with that? Just like, oh, they didn't tell you? And then walk away. <laughs> oh, jeez, you're right. <laughs> you should lead with it and say, hey, <laughs> he is alive. <laughs> Because we do find out in the scene that he is very much alive and that he survived the fire. Yep, he has his oxygen mask on and he's on the stretcher. I, wow. I can't say I was back then when I was watching this because, oh, fun fact, this is a, this is the first season that I watched live and you didn't come in until a little bit later. But, a lot later. Towards, yeah, towards the end. Yeah, this will be fun to like, yeah, this will be fun to talk about like as we dive into this but i remember not being shocked when i figured out that he was alive i'm like there's more story here we gotta see like what's to come of this so i wasn't too shocked yeah i mean obviously when i watched it i already knew so <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i can't i definitely wasn't shocked when i watched this right? episode finally <laughs> you're like you know you watch season two finale well like well this is a shitty cliffhanger like i know he's alive <laughs> Hey, even if you do know, it's still a great, great cliffhanger. It's still great. Yeah, to figure it out, like, the whole whodunit aspect of it. Yeah. Which, hopefully we find out who did it. Who was the person or persons who did it. I know, we don't find out in this episode, but Lucas definitely had a suspicious comment there to Peyton. Mm -hmm. Everybody kind of did, too. Like, I'm even thinking about uh, the moment where Deb is looking at Haley and she says... Haley, why don't you come with us? I don't know. There was like some part of me that was thinking way back in the day, like maybe Deb and Haley work together. That would be cool. Yeah, that's a really interesting theory. Yeah. Who knows what the whole situation is. But anyway, three months later, and then we get a bunch of flashbacks, which the show fucking loves. Yes. Can we talk (laughs) about that for a second? Yeah. The show really does like the flashbacks. And I don't know if it was just my memory like i knew there were flashbacks but i almost like forgot there were flashbacks in this episode and i'm like really yeah. like they use it in this season two finale and then it, it just blends into the season three premiere with more flashbacks um because the the two-part finale because remember we got all of the the back and forth with the jimmy Eat world scenes right. so they really yeah they really really like that device and i felt like as it was writing the recap for this episode, it was a little taunting because... I know, yeah, you had difficulty, like, figuring out, like, how to format it. Yeah, because I was like, wait a minute, was, is this a flashback or is this real life? But basically what you need to know as a viewer is, like, Nathan is still away at camp. So any scenes with Nathan are three months ago. Mm-hmm. That, that makes it clear once you have that figured out. Yes, I'd say these flashbacks are done better than other episodes that relied on flashbacks, but it's still not the greatest. <laughs> As we know, the whole issue with Haley, like, <laughs> where did she live during, during those three months? I know. And did she not talk to Pan or anybody during those three months? It's it's so up in the air, but whatever. 
it is because we get all of these we also get all of these scenes with Haley and Nathan, but they're from three months ago. So it's <clears> like, oh man, where do they stand now? I assume that all these scenes happened the night when she returns. Yeah. Am I incorrect in that? I'm assuming that too. They just had a lot of conversations throughout the night where they left each other for a little while, then came back, and it's just like all over the place. I think it's right to assume that, that it all happened that night of the fire. Yeah. All of the all of the conversations. Mm-hmm. Even with, with Peyton and Lucas, like that definitely happened the night of the fire. So yeah, all of that is three months ago, which is wild. Makes sense for the most part. But let's talk about all these things that happened between Nathan and Haley, though. I know. Some of these scenes are so heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And, like, Haley, I have a few quotes actually written down. Um, oh, please. So Haley at one point says to Nathan, there was never a night where I loved it more than I loved you. Oh, yes, I love it. And I finally feel like we're getting the truth from Haley. Because I feel like we haven't really known, we have not known yet how she's really feeling. Because they didn't have her in any of the episodes because of this whole thing about they were trying to fire Joy at the time, which we learned in Drama Queens. Yeah, so, like, we haven't really gotten her side of it other than that episode, like, the finale, when they're in New York Mm -hmm. and Lucas goes to visit. Um, We haven't really gotten anything. And at that point, she was saying that she was going to stay on tour. She said that to Lucas. So. She wasn't going to come home and come back to Nathan. She didn't feel like she even deserved to wear her wedding ring. Like, there was all of that. So that was really the only thing we got. We didn't really get to hear her true feelings about Nathan. So, like, in this moment, she's really confessing that, like, while she enjoyed being on tour, and it was it was the time of her life, she loves Nathan more than that. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. And then later on, do you want me to keep going? Yeah, keep going. <laughs> oh, honestly, this is one of the scenes that um really has always gotten me between them, Nathan and Haley. It's the scene where she comes and he's laying in bed. He's clearly not asleep. And she comes to the door and she starts to talk to him. And then she walks away and he's like, Hales. And then she turns around and then she comes and lays on top of him. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is. Like, this is, like, pulling at my heartstrings, you know what I mean? Like, she's just trying to hug him and be close to him and, like, get back what they had. And then he's like, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this right now. And she gets up and goes, and then Nathan says, always and forever. That's what sucks, Haley. I still do love you. I always will. I just can't trust you. Mm. That scene is so, so, so good between both of them. Like... The chemistry is on fire. Like they, uh, you feel the love there, but there's so much more that's complicated about it. Yeah, and one note about that scene too. Like you notice, like when uh, Haley gets on top of him too. Like you notice Nathan has his arms wide open, and he does embrace her, even though like he eventually ends up pushing her off when she's trying to kiss him. Like, there's still some part of him that is open-minded about her, yeah. and that he wants to comfort her. And you can see, like, his arms are wrapped around her. Like, I feel like deep down, he does want her. He just doesn't want to, like, have his heartbreak anymore than it already has. I know. Because, as he said, like, you know, he he just can't trust her. 
Yeah, that I have to say, like that is one of the scenes that just one of the Haley and Nathan like top scenes that just gets my heartstrings because <laughs> it yeah. feels it feels so real. Like there's something so real about it. like that would happen in real life, you know. Mm-hmm. Like two people who are going through a rough patch and like they're drawn to each other, but like there's just so much that they have to work out first. Absolutely, and I gotta say, um. Because there's a whole this there's a whole discussion about the divorce papers. Haley is like, "Oh, you initiated them," and this whole thing. And then we find out uh, toward the end of the episode that the divorce papers were signed by Haley, but it doesn't have her signature. It has the words "I love you." And let me tell you, when I watched this episode for the first time in years the other day, I gasped. I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> It was like watched it for the first time. I got so excited. I always, I always forget that part too. Yeah, I completely forgot about yeah. it. It's been years. So yeah. And one question that we had in season two was, did Nathan actually send the annulment papers to Haley, or was that Dan's doing? But we get confirmation on this episode that that Nathan did send them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That that was confirmed. So I wanted to bring that up. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that back. <laughs> I sometimes wonder if the listeners listen to this and be like, do you not remember, you idiots? <laughs> <laughs> and the truth is, yes, we don't remember, okay? You're human. It's been a while for some of these plot lines. Like, we know this show very well, but, like, you can get lost in the details, especially when you haven't seen it in years. For sure. But would you like to move on to talking about the uh, the other couple? Your favorite? <laughs> My favorite, yes. The, uh... With the polyamorous representation. I guess you could say that. (laughs) Let me tell you something. When I watched this episode back in the day, this was the first time I ever saw, like, a polyamorous relationship being represented. And I was like, I didn't know this could be a relationship structure, huh? And I just, like, scratched my head a little bit. This was, I was, like, I was 14 when I was watching this, and I was thinking, like, this is a real thing that people can do? (laughs) So... I'm just saying, like, this is interesting that they're representing this. Whether or not it turns out to be good representation of polyamory, we'll get into as we discuss the season. Yeah, it's interesting that you call it that, because I feel like, in my mind, it's always just been, like, friends with benefits. Like, but I guess... And we've talked about friends with benefits on this show. <laughs> yes. Friendship is the greatest benefit, I know. That's, Friendship that's is your the greatest mantra. benefit, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is which is often quoted back to me a lot, by the way. And I I, I get like nervous. I'm like, God, like everybody knows that line. Thank it's you. Really sweet, so, honestly. I'm like, I'm so glad it like has brought some relevance to some people's lives. <laughs> but people love that line for some uh-huh. reason. You know what? Great. I'm glad. That's a good point. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. But what I was saying is like I guess in my mind it's always been friends with benefits type thing which i just have to shift my thinking because you're right it is it is kind of like a polyamorous structure because i think they're both the difference is because i mean you know we we know about like we know our thoughts and well my thoughts i would say on friends with benefits and the structure of that um i feel like the big difference between the situation with the situation that brooke had with felix is that that was just about sex Whereas the situation with Lucas, like, they're they're both very obvious about the fact that there are romantic feelings about, mm-hmm. about the whole situation. 
They want to go on dates. They don't just want to have sex. So then my question is, like, the intent behind it. Is is Brooke, does she just not want to get hurt? Does she honestly want to see other people? Or does she, is she protecting herself? Yeah, that is up in the air. We don't know that yet. Well, from where we're at right at the moment, she wants romance with Lucas. Does she want romance with other people? Or is it just about sex? I don't know. There can be all different types of relationships, though, so. Who knows? Do you remember the days with cork boards, though? Do teens still have cork boards? I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. You had a cork board, didn't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I had multiple cork boards. Did you just look around your room and be like, yeah, there's something in my room? Uh, no, I don't have any right now. Yeah, I did kind of just look around. Like, no, I have, I have frames, but I don't have cork boards. But yeah, I remember that being such a big thing for like our generation and, you know, just around this generation of teenagers. And I just wonder, is that still a thing? Or do the teens have social media now and they just have to post it from the whole world to save rather than just for themselves? Yeah, and a lot of people don't even print out pictures. It's just all digital, which I'm a fan of printing out pictures still. Yeah. Speaking of printing out pictures, though, like when... Brooke took that selfie of her Lucas on the beach, and then she printed it out. There is no way that little camera on that phone printed out a picture of that high quality. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Talk about the graininess of those photos back in the day, those little flip phones. I remember having those flip phones and like- I had that exact phone that Brooke had. I had that exact phone when I was a teen. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, little razor flip phone. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I never really used the camera phone because it wasn't good quality. I had a regular camera mm-hmm. when I was, I don't know. I've always had a, now I don't use a regular camera, but then like middle school, high school, I always had my, my actual camera because <laughs> you're like, I'm fancy. I take pictures. <laughs> I love I taking pictures. pictures. That was like one of my favorite things. And, right. um, I wanted good quality, so the grainy cell phone images were not going to cut it. <laughs> Plus, you really had an angle. How are you going to take a selfie? It was really hard to take selfies back then. It is so easy yeah. now, but then that was really, <laughs> like, you had to angle it and try a few times to get that right. No, it was a whole, it was a whole thing. Yeah. I remember I remember seeing some of your photos back in the day, because I remember you submitted some of them to the Lit Mag, uh, yeah. which I was the editor of. Yeah, I remember seeing them. You always took these, like, big nature shots and whatnot. Oh, yeah, I think I got one of them submitted. One or two. Yeah. I feel like I remember seeing I'm a few of them. I'm lucky you remembering that. Yeah, I remember some things. Look at me. <laughs> <laughs> that was my claim to fame in the Lit Mag. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um... I also want to point out something like really uh, small and stupid. There is also a continuity error with uh, with Brooke's bikini. No, is there? You'll see she's like fully wearing her bikini. And then like we see the next shot and then she has a towel wrapped around her. Unless Lucas like has a towel for her off camera and just gives it to her. Oh, wow. I didn't pay attention. <laughs> well, they had to, of course, they had to show her full bikini body. Yeah, which I'm sure there was a little bit of objectification beyond that, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, and th- okay, there is some part where, like, okay, she's on a beach, like, there's nothing wrong with, like, her wearing a bikini, but, like, when you think about, like, the people behind the show 
and how these actresses were objectified back in the day. You, you can't help but see, especially like how the camera like pans up her body. That's what I mean. It's shot to make it look sexy, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I wonder the conversations behind that scene. That'll be interesting yeah. to hear about. Oh, and they'll be, yeah, they'll be getting to them soon. We're recording this before the Drama Queens episode releases, but it won't get released until after the Drama Queens episode releases, but yeah, I f- I'm sure. I feel like we're going to maybe be ahead in terms of recording, but not releasing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so just an FYI, we're a little bit behind with the times on some of these episodes. Forgive us, please. <laughs> yeah. But... The last thing I want to say about Barucas, though, is that there also is some, like, uh, a few scenes with Lucas and Peyton where they address the fact that they had history, and they're like, the history will always be there. Yeah, I have that quote written down, too. Oh, yeah? (laughs) Do you want to read it? (laughs) I, I have just what Lucas said to Peyton. So they're sitting in the bedroom and basically, like, just talking about life. He tells Peyton that he told Brooke that he had feelings for her. <laughs> and then she kind of like laughs at him like, great timing. Great, great timing. <laughs> that was cute. <laughs> I thought that was really cute too. And then I can't really remember what else they talked about, but somehow they transitioned into talking about like their history. And Lucas says, it's always going to be there, isn't it? You and me. And Peyton just nods. Yeah, it's interesting. And so we have not seen these two characters together very often for a whole season now. There's been scenes here and there, but not as consistently as season one. So I feel like they have this whole summer here where we've, we we see in this episode, it's clear based on like the flashbacks, but also like the present time that these two characters have been hanging out throughout the whole summer. Yeah, that's clear. I would say. They are friendly. Um, Lucas stops by Peyton's room and like as Brooke gets back or something, I think, because he comes into her room and Peyton asks him, what did you decide you're going to say to her? So it seems like they they have been very friendly over the summer and had had a lot of conversations and grown a bit closer than they were in the previous season. Yeah, it seems like they talked about the whole Brooke situation. Yeah. Like, you know, Lucas is maybe asking for advice, et cetera, et cetera. I guess, Bro- I guess Brooke and Peyton weren't talking at all during this whole time. I know, right? <laughs> I- yeah. Oh, my gosh. Or Brooke and Lucas, for that matter. Like, come on, they should be talking about this over the phone every now and then. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> there are so many unknowns. <laughs> Could you just imagine, like, not talking to your best friend for three months? Yep, you can only be in Tree Hill and be friends. Like, you can't be yeah. friends if you leave. <laughs> it was back in the it was back in the early 2000s. Like, people didn't have us. People didn't have phones back then, you know? They could only do carrier pigeons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, and one more thing to add about Lucas and Peyton real fast, is I feel like it's also clear that Lucas knows about the ins and outs of the Ellie situation. Mm -hmm. Which, yeah, would you like to to chat about some of those revelations? Yeah, we can talk about this. So, wow, there's a lot to unpack here. Well, Peyton was adopted. Well, first off, can we, can we, let me address one thing. Peyton's dad has been recasted. Yes! (laughs) Yes! <laughs> Let's address that first. <laughs> yeah, the actor is, uh, or the uh, character is now played by Kevin Kilner. 
uh, replacing the original actor, which uh, we have since found out on Drama Queens. The reason why the dad was recast was because the producers thought that they had more of a romantic chemistry. Like a flirty, yeah, flirty chemistry or whatever. Which both both the ladies on Trauma Queens and us were like, what? what? <laughs> Where do you see that? It was like fun loving and they joked around with each other. But that's what a dad and daughter can do. Like that's, yeah. that was their relationship. It's very strange. Very, 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 very strange. I will say this relationship feels, with Hillary and Kevin Kilner, I feel like this feels more like a father-daughter relationship. But that's necessarily mean the other actor didn't provide that, you know? I just think these actors have more of a father-daughter type look about them, I guess. So I do like this dad more. I have to say that. Because okay. it does feel, um, it feels different. And it's not like I didn't like the other dad. Yeah, I feel like same. he didn't get enough screen time and then... For an entire season, we don't even have Peyton's dad in the show at all. So right. the other dad really wasn't given enough of a chance to develop anything. Um, but I, I do like this representation more. It does feel more like a dad. It, it is a lot different, but they're also making him out to be like, basically, this dad has not been present. I'm talking about the dad as a character, not, not the actor. Yes. <laughs> this dad has not been present, even though in season one he claimed that he was going to travel less. But then he's basically gone all of season two because we don't ever get any <laughs> reference to him. And like we even see in... Season two could have only been a month, though. Okay, I know, right? right. Let's, let's keep that, <laughs> let's keep that And then in this premiere, we have that scene on the dock where he's clearly coming back from a trip and mm -hmm. then telling her about Ellie. So... Like, it's very clear that they're keeping up that aspect of the dad. Like, he's always away. He's never around, you know? But his personality is different. For sure. And it's a little bit better, like you said. Again, not to negate the other actor's performance or anything, but I do agree this looks a little bit more paternal than the previous yeah. guy. But I never once thought like, oh God, they don't look like father and daughter. They look like they can say. There was never a moment where I thought no, that. No, absolutely not. That is a really strange, I, I don't know. That's just a really strange thing. <laughs> but okay, so back to Ellie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ellie is Peyton's biological mother, which is revealed mm -hmm. by her adopted dad, Larry. Uh, her biological father Larry doesn't know anything about. Yeah. He's only met Ellie. So that's all we know, basically, at this time. Um, and they, her adopted parents did not want Ellie to reach out unless Peyton requested that. But Peyton has not even been given a choice because she didn't even know. And yeah. her dad gives, like, I feel like Peyton's old enough to know this. Like, she's well old enough to know this. I feel like keeping this secret is really disturbing, actually, because the dad, Larry gives a lot of excuses saying, you know, you were dealing with your mother's, your adopted mother's death. That That's like the big excuse. Yeah. Which was when Peyton was like nine, <laughs> which I'm like, okay, I understand. like maybe not want to tell her about it when right then and there, but like also 
Why didn't she tell her this way, way before then? She's 17 now? So, like, how, yeah, how would you have not told her? Yeah. Yeah, why, like, why not tell her now at this current point in her life? But also, why didn't she tell her before? My, uh, like, my sister-in-law's adopted, and she grew up her entire life knowing that she was, in fact, adopted. Yeah, I don't think that's ever usually nowadays kept as a secret. Like, you just know it. Yeah. When like, you're a certain age. I, I wonder, least. like, is this even a realistic depiction? I feel like this whole entire, uh, this is a trope that's really popular in soap operas, where the character ends up finding out, like, oh my god, I'm adopted. My whole life has changed. But, like, I don't know if it's actually realistic whatsoever. I don't think it is. And, like, to keep this secret for this long, like, I don't feel like any of the dad's reasons justify lying to her for this long and Mm -hmm. it just adds to further adds to the trauma that peyton has to deal with yeah like now she's questioning she's just questioning her whole world people always lie (laughs) that's her trolling states yep so three months ago was the last time she saw ellie and now ellie has not been around for three months But at the end of this episode, Lucas tells Peyton that she's back in town because for some reason Lucas knows Ellie and or who she is, at least. Yeah, he met her once before, before he knew who she was. And I'm like, I don't think that was ever a scene in in a prior episode or anything. No, it was not. It's very strange that he would know who she is and what she looks like. Maybe the writers just need to quickly establish a way to tell Peyton that, like, hey, Ellie is back in town, but maybe they couldn't get Cheryl Lee for this episode to show her. Yeah, maybe. Oh, no, that's just a good way to explain away, I think. But would it also make sense for, Pey- for Peyton's dad to say it, too? Like, hey, I, I saw her in town, she visited, she is back. <laughs> Why did Lucas have to deliver this exposition? I know, right? But I guess we can't overthink it. <laughs> <laughs> gosh yes moving on to new horizons and new apartments Haley and brooke move in together this is a fun pairing yeah i remember being really excited when i first uh, saw this uh coming to fruition i'm like oh brooke and Haley living together like I, i'd be down to see more scenes of the two of them yeah i, I like i like it so yeah. we'll see where this leads and i I like what, I don't write the quote down, what Brooke said to Haley. She's like, I don't have room for pity or whatever. You did what you did and it's done, basically. Yeah, so she says take it or leave it and Haley's like, I'll take it. Which, I mean, we could like really unpack, which we've done like several times throughout season two. So I'll just tell all of our listeners, like, go to season two. Like, did Haley do something wrong here? And, like, does Brooke even it's have nuanced. a right to be mad about it? Like, it doesn't even involve Brooke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It doesn't involve anyone else. The only person who really should be mad is Nathan. Right, exactly. Which, okay, Peyton has a grudge against Haley, so can we, why? There's a lot of bitterness here. Because Peyton's dealing with so much trauma. I'm going to call it trauma, because that's what it is. That I think, yeah, she's displacing that and onto Haley. <laughs> like, she's putting it all on her. And it's unfair, yes. I understand that Peyton, like, Jake has left. So, like, everyone leaves. Everyone leaves. And 
You mean people always yes, leave? Yeah, people always leave. So she's seeing <laughs> someone who left and then comes back and just, I think this is even what Peyton said to Brooke, actually. And Brooke was like, <laughs> this was a funny scene. And Brooke was like, she was like, <laughs> Oh, yes, which is an iconic uh, GIF as well. <laughs> and Peyton was like, is that a little too much? She was like, just a bit. <laughs> Yeah, so I can't even, I don't have that quote written down either. There's so many good quotes in this episode, honestly, but Peyton was just kind of ranting about like, I have an issue with people leaving and coming back and pretending like nothing happened. And yeah. It's like, so you're mad at Ellie. Okay. I I love that Brooke like takes a step back though and realizes like, okay, your anchor is displaced right now. You're not ready to talk about this. So let's just step away. Yeah. And makes light of it. So it like it turns into yeah. like this joke in a way. So it makes the scene not as heavy. Which I think is a good thing for that a good friend would yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, know. yeah. To kind of distract you a little bit. Um, for sure. But yeah, I, I guess that's all we really can say is that Peyton, she's dealing with so much between Jake and Ellie that she's mad at the world and she's taking it out on Haley because Haley did similar things to those people, you know? Mm-hmm. She did similar things as those people in Payne's life did. So it's... Oof. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, another thing that happens is we learn that Mouth and Erica broke up after Brooke gives Mouth a specific name brand orange soda. <laughs> I saw him holding that. <laughs> <laughs> Which we will not name because this orange soda is not uh, sponsoring us. We will we, we will name drop Cracker Jack every other day, but we're not going to name drop all these brands, okay? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, gosh. And spoiler alert, that is not the last time you'll see this logo <laughs> in this season. <laughs> you will see it so much. It's so, after binging season three, it is so obnoxious, like, how many times they try to insert it. Like, here, here is a drink. So- let me- how do sponsors, like, I really would love to know how sponsors work. Like, I don't find this normal. It is excessive product <laughs> placement. So, I mean, it's so excessive. I've never seen that before in a show. Like, to this extent? I will say, I always crave this particular art <laughs> soda, like, while watching these episodes. And I will admit, like, um, for the season three finale, I wanted to have, like, a little party, meaning it was a little party by myself. And I, like, begged my parents, like, hey, can we get some cans of this name brand art soda? Because <laughs> I wanted to, like, drink it while watching the finale. That was, like, a thing for me. I, I I don't know why. See what they did? They did. And you know what? They It works. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it clearly did. Like, do they make a deal with a sponsor? Like, we're going to place this product in this amount of episodes, in this amount of scenes. Like, why did it just keep going and going and going? I These are I questions know. that I don't have the answers to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, the name brand Orange Soda, like, you know, they paid a certain amount of money. They're like, hey, can you have this uh, featured on your show? But that much? Oh, boy. <laughs> it's really funny. It is. We should, we should just try to, like, we should make that, like, an ongoing thing for the podcast. I mean, like, name brand orange soda check. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> and there will probably be some that we'll miss. 
like, Honestly, it could be a drinking game, really. They were like, uh, like take a shot every time you see this name brand <laughs> orange soda. <laughs> Gosh. But anyway, yeah, Mouth and Erica broke up because Erica became popular. I think that's such like a stupid way to just throw away this plot line because we never see Erica again. <laughs> yeah. This. I know. And it was just a short thing. That's literally all the information that we got. She got popular. I, th- this is where it's very obvious that Mouth is an insert for the creator of the show. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, look at this woman with evil titties. Yeah. She doesn't love me anymore because now she's popular. Yeah, you're right. Evil titties is also a... Uh, <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm delayed. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was another... Is a, is a reference to a Drama Queens episode, everyone, by the way. <laughs> Which I think should become a mainstream culture. (laughs) That was so funny. This episode has been brought to you by Evil Titties. (laughs) Other things that we just sort of get references thrown away, we see that Lucas has his heart problems still because he's on the river court and he clutches his chest, which I I don't know how these heart conditions work and whatnot, but like, does he... Now that he knows he has a heart condition, all of a sudden it's affecting him, but it didn't affect him before. Remember I brought that up before? <laughs> yeah, it's like I think you did, yeah. He never had this issue on the river court previously, like before he joined the basketball team, and he had no idea about the heart condition. So now it's becoming an yep. issue. It's very, very strange how they do this, but... Yeah. And it's Dan, too. Like, it's not like Dan was having, like, heart problems when he was playing basketball and when he was a teen, either. And, like, so, yeah, Lucas has not had his medication now for three months. Yeah. But look how long Dan went without medication. Yeah. His whole life. So, it's just... Granted, I know, like, you know, I mean, these conditions can affect people differently. I don't know what HCM is all about, but it just seems like this whole plot line is kind of pigeonholed in there. (laughs) Yeah. To try to give us, like, an extra level of conflict. It is, because it almost would have made sense, like, I know he got tested for HCM, and that's how he found out, but it would have made more sense, like, if he had a health issue while playing basketball, and then got tested and found out, you know what I mean? Like, nothing, there was no inkling of him having a physical problem, ever. I feel like it's more so, like, being portrayed as, like, a placebo effect in a way. Yeah. It's like, oh, now that he knows he has a heart condition... Now it's affecting yeah. him. You know? And now that he has not been on the medication for three months, he knows that the medication isn't, you know, in him. So now he's feeling the effects of that. So you're right. It's, oof, it's another thing. There's a lot of things that don't make sense, I guess, in this yeah. episode. <laughs> but I love this episode still. <laughs> yeah, I do too. Um, can we talk about the makeover that Karen's Cafe went over, like, while Karen was away? Yeah, they, like, briefly... They briefly touch on that, and you can see it a little bit. Yeah, there's, like, Bob Dylan quotes. Like, there's a Bob Dylan quote up there. There's, like, a bunch of different, like... There's, like, a rock and roll aesthetic happening. I don't hate it. Yeah, it's cool. Especially if, like, you know, if they're trying to attract the same customers that they're attracting to Trick. I feel like it's great that... Essentially, Karen's, like, rebranded, I guess you could say. So, wasn't, um, Deb the one who did the renovations, though? Yeah, yeah, but but they're business yeah, partners, yeah. you know what okay. I mean. Yeah. So, what I'm saying is that they're, you know, obviously Deb made the decision, and they're trying to Karen was yeah. okay with that. I wish we could see more of the cafe. I feel like we always just get the counter, and, like, you can never really see, like, all the decorations. Right, like, exactly. Fully, you know? 
there's one decoration that we don't see until... Much later. <laughs> much, much later, and they act like it's there the entire time. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love it, but, yeah. We'll unpack that later. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, Haley also returns to Karen's cafe, mm-hmm. wanting her job back, but apparently she's been in trio for three months. <laughs> did we already talk about this, actually? Oh, we did already talk about I'm sorry. About it. We did talk about it. No, it's okay, because it needs to be pointed out. <laughs> Why? Maybe she just wanted to respect Karen. I'm like, come on, Karen. Like, there's no way, like, she's not going to bring you back. Also, did you see the part when Karen uh, greeted Haley and she says, Oh, what's on her cup? Hi, Haley. I knew you would love that line. <laughs> I remember bringing that up back in season one when that line is said. And yeah. I don't think you knew about it, right? I didn't remember it, to be honest. Yeah, it returns. I feel like it returns one more time as well, but I just, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but I did remember this scene. It's a good callback. And at first, Karen thinks that, like, Haley wants to sing there. Yeah. But nope, she just wants to waitress, which is totally fine. Which is great, but, like, you know, maybe you could do it on the side as well, Haley. Like, obviously, you love music and you want to perform, if Karen had the budget, (laughs) of course. I know. I feel like Haley has just taken a turn, like a 180. <laughs> she wanted music, now she wants Nathan, and she's giving up music, it feels like. I feel like she's afraid to love it to an extent. Mm-hmm. Which is sad. I, uh, on a completely different note, I love when uh, Zeb and Karen go off to get coffee. And then Zeb makes a reference and she says, like, oh, like, I can use some gin. Oh, I, I mean coffee. And then Karen says, oh, like, I'll have one too. Uh, coffee, please, not gin. And then Haley just says, I'll have gin. <laughs> and then Lucas comes back and I couldn't understand. I replayed it, too. I couldn't understand what he said to her. He handed her a mug. What was it? Uh, he gave her coffee. Oh, okay. He says, well, we didn't have gin, so, and then he smelled it, so, ooh, I gave you coffee. I could not hear it. You know how sometimes when you play a scene, you just can't hear the dialogue? Like, you can't <laughs> clearly hear what they're saying? That was, that was a moment for me. I watch with subtitles, so oh, okay. I can't relate. Yeah, I guess I gotta put subtitles. I never watch with subtitles, actually. They annoy me, so. <laughs> I'm a subtitle person. I watch everything with subtitles. That's funny. I think Jenna does, too. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like, it's easier to like follow along sometimes. Like, come on. I get distracted. I feel like I'm reading the whole time instead of watching like the screen. I'm totally pro uh, subtitles for accessibility purposes. <laughs> but uh, my yeah, personal course. preference I don't think anybody is... would no, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, if you like watching things with subtitles, uh, send us a, what's a good emoji that can be sent for that? We haven't done one of these in a while. Oh, I don't know. I guess a pencil? Like, subtitles? Like, there, I, was, I was about to say a pencil. Yeah. Isn't there, like, a word bubble or something? Oh, there might be a word bubble. We'll just go with, we'll just go with a pencil. Send us a pencil. Yeah. <laughs> if you watch things with subtitles, because let's unite. <laughs> <laughs> Take over the world. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right, do you want to talk about Dan? Oh, um, Dan? <laughs> you, you all right, do you want to talk about Dan? Yeah, I was about to say, speaking of pencils. Um, what? Deb asked, uh, <laughs> Deb asked Dan for a divorce, you know, because he'll have to sign it with, well, he'll preferably have to sign it with a pen, yeah, not I don't a think a pencil would do with that document. 
I'm trying here with these transitions, all right? Okay. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't work. It just does not. <laughs> all right, all right, just all right. Let's let's just move on. Um, but Dan's okay with it. Yeah, and he even said like, "You're shocked, right?" And Deb really is shocked that he like is easily agreeing to it. Which I feel like this is a moment where we need to be questioning him. Because <laughs> Dan has not sure. been easy to agree to this. So what has changed? Maybe he just gave up and just realized that he's losing control over over his family and whatnot. Yeah. I don't know. But other things we have to question. His plan for revenge. That scene where he goes into the confessional booth and confesses for sins that have yet to be committed it's just chilling it is chilling and the thing about it it's like he's going in for confession quote unquote but it's not really a confession (laughs) you know confesses for sins yet to be committed so he hasn't done anything yet but he's conspiring i guess Hmm. right so yep he says the sins that he will commit then when he finds out who tried to kill him We'll turn this place to rubble. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was... Oh, Paul Johansson. He, like, brings it for this character. Uh-huh. I love it. Also, we should note, this was um, this was established in an earlier scene between uh, Deb and Dan. Uh, Dan says that one minute he's in the fire, and then the next minute he's out of the fire, and everything in between is black. Yeah. So we don't really know how he got out of the fire. How, how did he end up outside? So, just something to question, put in your vampire diaries. Yeah, we'll have to see what when Dan remembers what happens, or if he remembers. Yeah, we shall see. One of the things I really wish they really dived into, I wish they dived more into the whole PTSD aspect of this all, the fact that he has missing gaps in his memory. I know. But, but I don't think they really ever dive into that whole aspect. Because, come on, this is going to be traumatizing. Being in a burning building and seeing somebody trying to kill you. That's really traumatic. Come on, you're going to be on edge, you know? Yeah, no wonder your body, like, doesn't remember anything. He also mm-hmm. probably passed out because of the drugs and the alcohol. So, like, he literally could not remember because <laughs> yeah. he wasn't conscious. <laughs> exactly. Also, trauma has a tendency to, like, just make you, like, black out black entirely. Out. Like, e- like, even when I was, um, even when I was in a car accident, like, trigger warning for car accidents, everybody, if you want to, like skip ahead for like 30 seconds um but like when i was in a car accident i remember the car collided with us and then i remember us being in the middle of the road but i don't remember anything that happens you know between that little gap in time so the whole blackout aspect i'm just saying is very very valid yeah it's your body's way of like coping mm-hmm. and like preserving yourself yeah and to this day i have no idea what happened i only remember the car collided i remember being there where the ambulance was there and i'm like okay like what happened between that time Will I ever know? I don't know. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. So. There's one other thing I wanted to point out. Yes. I find it interesting that Dan is recovering from a traumatic event in the season two premiere and in the season three premiere. Yep. And both times involved (laughs) him almost dying. (laughs) Yep. His heart attack. It's a trend. (laughs) And now the fire. Hmm. That it is. I wonder. Can't kill Dan Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're doing with that. 
All right. We'll come back to that. Uh-huh. Put that in your vampire diaries, <laughs> listeners. We're putting a lot in our vampire diaries today. <laughs> Jeez. I keep wondering if new listeners are going to get these, like, get these little references that we're doing. But you know what? Like, we're probably not getting any new listeners. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy. <laughs> when was the last time we got new listeners? <laughs> If you're not here from the very beginning, <laughs> you're not really here. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm just kidding. Uh, I don't know. Will I edit that out? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to this coda. <laughs> yes, this the coda is to the song Street Map by Athlete. And we start off at the beach. Brooke and Lucas kiss as Brooke snaps a selfie. And then we're in Peyton's room. Peyton paints a number as the iconic voiceover begins. Hello, my name is Jeremy Rodriguez, and I will be reading for the part of Peyton Sawyer. <laughs> At this moment, there are 6,471,818,671 people in the world. We then transition to Brooke and Haley's room. Some are running scared. Brooke hangs up photos on her corkboard of how she spent her summer vacation. Now we're at Karen's cafe. Deb looks at Karen and awkwardly smiles. Others are just now facing the truth. We're in Peyton's bedroom. Peyton sits on her bed and looks at her people-always-lie drawing. Some are evil men at war with good. Dan walks out of the church as he flashes back to the night at the dealership. And some are good, struggling with evil. In Lucas's room, Lucas looks at the burn note to Dan for everything you've done from the night of the dealership fire. Six billion people in the world. Six billion souls. We're in the gym locker room. There's a montage of various scenes. And sometimes all you need is one. Nathan puts on a necklace with his wedding ring attached to it. We then see a close-up of the one in Peyton's room. That was my favorite quote. Same. <laughs> this quote is iconic. Um, an alternate title that we had for our podcast was Sometimes All You Need Is One Podcast. Yeah. We thought about that for a hot second there. Yeah, but it was too long of a title. <laughs> it was. And I know we just brought this quote up, or actually I just brought this quote up in... Uh, a recent Royal Review episode. Oh, really? What was the context behind it? Remember we were talking about, like, if we could pick any quote to tattoo on ourselves? Oh, yeah. And I brought this one up. I would never get a tattoo, first off. Let's preface with that. Um, <laughs> right. But this is a hypothetical situation, and I brought up this quote as, like, one of my favorite quotes of the series, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would love to get the I would love to get the number tattooed on me, but that is just, like, I feel like it wouldn't be the accurate representation of the world because come on like the world's population keeps growing and decreasing <laughs> uh-huh yeah we're like at eight billion people in the world i think now <laughs> probably yeah so <laughs> but the whole point is having the one at the very end of it you know anyhow yeah, that's true so that was both of our favorite quotes what was your favorite musical moment oh i love the beginning song feeling a moment by feeder yeah oh, it's so iconic to me such a great way to start off the episode. <laughs> it's so good. I just like I can't think of the 
premiere without thinking of that song. Yeah. <laughs> is it your favorite too? <laughs> yeah, it's mine. <laughs> this is also the uh, the song that kicks off the uh, Friends with Benefit soundtrack mm-hmm. as well. First song, and it's very appropriate. Love it. Love to say it. Yeah, it's so good. So, so good. What was your rating for the episode? So I give this episode five out of five broken hearts with sides of regret. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> I give it four out of five name brand orange sodas. Just, <laughs> the, the episode's great. Don't get me wrong. You know, there's just like, you know, some things that are a little bit all over the place and a little bit disjointed. And I'm not a fan of flashbacks on this show. Yeah, I know you're not. <laughs> like, let me be honest. But overall, I did find it to be very, very entertaining. And you obviously love this episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love it. I mean, there are so many, and we'll talk more in the spoiler segment, but um, there's just so many episodes in this season that I I love. Just absolutely love. So, so there's going to be a lot of fives. Five out of fives. I'm the for tougher me. one, as we know. There will be a lot of four out of fives for me. <laughs> I love this season, and I'm not afraid to show it. <laughs> <laughs> and you shouldn't be. It's a great season. Oh, we're here, though. Like, I, I'm just, I feel like this is the moment we've been waiting for when we started this podcast, like, getting to this season. It is yeah, so amazing. We have a lot of great stuff coming your way. I'm so excited. Yeah. We're here. We're actually here. Always and Forever is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at alwaysothpod. You can also email us at alwaysothpod at gmail.com. I'm Jeremy Rodriguez, and you can find me on Twitter at RodriguezJeremy. And I'm Caitlin Illinich, and you can find me on Twitter at Miss I Reads. Outside of following our socials, the easiest way to support us is by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. That helps One Tree Hill fans new and old find us. You can also support us via Patreon, where for as low as $2 a month, you can gain access to bonus content, our private Discord server where you can chat with us and other listeners, and early episode releases. Visit patreon.com slash alwaysothpod for more information. Now, if you don't want future episodes of One Tree Hill to be spoiled for you, now is the time to turn this podcast off. Otherwise, stay tuned for the spoiler segment after the music ends. We'll We'll be be seeing ya. Welcome to the spoiler segment of Always and Forever. This is your last reminder to turn off the podcast if you do not want spoilers. So, wow. Season three, baby. (laughs) I know! I, it is such, it was such a joy to watch this whole season and binge the heck out of it. I mean, it's just such a fun season, fun season to binge, first off. Yeah. You just, you keep wanting to go to the next episode and the next episode and the next episode. Yeah. I watched it all in three days. Wow. (laughs) I had like a lot of like uh, free time and that was like also with working too. Like I just, I had to keep going. I just could not stop watching the season even knowing like what's the common everything like i couldn't help but just keep going and i was so entertained the entire time agreed it's just it's so delicious <laughs> <laughs> i know off air i said that it really is it just oh it's 
I love delicious. it. Delicious. It's delicious. <laughs> delicious like a name brand orange soda, you would say. <laughs> yeah. It's, oh, God. Wow. So let's uh, let's start with like, some of the negative things um, this season, and then we'll end on a high note. What did you think didn't hold up? Was, was there anything you think didn't really hold up? I have a few things. Well, we have the whole Rachel and Cooper. That storyline you look at a little bit differently, at least than when I was a teenager. Yeah. With the age difference is cringeworthy. While, aside from that, like, their chemistry is good. It definitely adds to the drama of, like, in the finale. But I'm definitely looking at that with a different lens. Yeah, I have, like, nuanced opinions on it that that I haven't fully articulated in my mind right now. But, like, as we, you know, yeah. dissect this episode by episode, I feel like I'll have a more fully formed opinion on it. But So but I feel like right. that is one thing that I'll be interested to talk about and look at more critically. Uh, I know we had mentioned, and I had noticed there were some homophobic comments. There was a transphobic comment. It's It's awful. <laughs> That the transphobic one, it was like, that's how I felt. Like I just jerked. Like yeah. as I was <laughs> listening to her, like, oh shit, they said that. Like I forgot they said that because me, I remember me, me the too. scene. I, I remember who was sitting at the that table, the poker table or whatever. Yeah. <sighs> but yeah. So that was a little jarring. This, yeah, the scene that uh Caitlin is uh, referring to was um in episode nine. Which is a great great episode yeah it's <laughs> the episode's perfect <laughs> like every other way i think to and this be honest. is just yeah thrown in there 2005 that's all i can say <laughs> all i can say to defend it also rachel delivers a lot of really bad homophobic comments like you know just insinuating yeah. that lucas is gay and everything yeah, yeah. And it's it's not good at all but we'll unpack these more when we get to these episodes mm-hmm. i mean other than that i feel like the majority of the season holds up yeah. Like, really well. Um, to talk later on, like, how uh, how Brooke, like, stops being friends with Peyton, I just feel like after experiencing this absolute tragedy with the school shooting, I'm like, wouldn't you have this realization, like, oh, life is too short. Why live with, like, these regrets and these, uh, these grudges? I just feel like Brooke... Like, choosing not to be friends with Peyton is kind of out of character after everything, like, all these characters went through. So you mean when she finds out about Lucas? Yeah, when she finds out that Peyton has feelings for Lucas, yeah. Interesting. I I thought you were going to come in here <laughs> really, what? like, what give you... Peyton crap. Um, no! <laughs> come on, why would I give Peyton crap? For liking Lucas? You can't help your feelings, honestly. I, I really don't hold Peyton accountable for that. Oh <laughs> my gosh, was going really? To? Yeah. <gasps> I'm shocked. I, no, I like, was coming in here. You feel what you feel. Like, I don't have any... I, you feel what yeah. you feel. It, I, I don't know how else to say it. But there was a kiss. I mean, it was near death, mean, but it was kiss, a kiss. Yes, okay. Can, can you blame someone for a near death kiss? No. Do you know how you would feel... In that moment, near death, who you'd be with, what you would do, what you would say. You know, emotions are high. Yeah, exactly. And Peyton thought she was going to die, and I, she, I feel like she just was 
felt the pressure to just say this one last thing so she didn't have any regrets. Wow. So I I didn't think this would be your reaction at all. I can't wait to get to this. Cause I wasn't even thinking about the kiss, honestly. I'm more talking about the fact that like Brooke stopped being friends with Peyton to begin with. I'm like, after like after your best friend almost died. After, like, you were, you had an almost near-death experience. Like, come on, she came face-to-face with Jimmy with the gun as well. Why does she think, like, oh, I can't be friends with Peyton anymore? I feel like, you know, you should have an epiphany after going through this tragic event where mm-hmm. you realize life is too short. So why would you want to add, like, this amazing 10-year relationship that you've had? I am going into this, rewatching that, and I feel like it hits different. Yeah. It makes me, the whole thing does, makes me feel a little icky. Mm-hmm. Because I don't, kind of opposite of you, I I don't necessarily blame Brooke. <laughs> wow. For being this upset. <laughs> okay. Why? I, wow. I never thought the conversation would go like this. I don't know. <laughs> I get that, Damn. like, they could have an epiphany, but Brooke has spent all this time... She spends the entire season three worried about Peyton and Lucas. And, and it's valid. that is my um, issue with their relationship in this season. I feel like Brooke's doesn't even really get a true relationship. They get a few happy moments in a few episodes. Most of it is just Brooke being so worried that Lucas is going to go back to Peyton or Peyton's going to go back to Lucas or whatever that you don't even get to enjoy them as a couple. I I agree with this after watching, after, with this current binge, yeah. And Lucas knows that, and Peyton knows that, and then we get reach the end of the season, and she finds out that, in the end, Peyton actually likes Lucas. Like, I know she's being honest, and I know Peyton has her feelings, and she... I mean, her feelings are her feelings. Yeah. But at the same time, I understand Brooke's anger. I truly do. I don't understand why Peyton felt the need to even say anything to Brooke. <laughs> I didn't understand it that either, to be yeah. fair. Yeah, why? I think even Brooke questions it. Like, why even bring it up then? If you're not going to do anything about it, why bring it up? Because Peyton says to Brooke, she's like, I'm not doing anything. I just want to be honest with you. I'm, I'm not going to go take them. And then Brooke questions her. She's like, why would you even bring it up if you're not going to do it? Which is true. Yeah. It is the truth. I feel like Peyton maybe, like, has this idea because she had a near-death experience that, like, maybe she just feels like she just needs to be honest. Because, I mean, come on, like, they both went through this, they both went through the school shooting, but I feel like Peyton has experienced the trauma to a larger degree. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That Brooke has. I mean, she was shot. (laughs) Yeah. But I still feel like Brooke's reaction to the whole thing, like, after your best friend almost died. And after, like, all of your friends almost died, like, shouldn't you have, like, a new perspective and realize, like, you know what? Life's too short. Like, why would I let go of this amazing thing that I have? How could you be friends with someone if that friend, your best friend, if you have the knowledge that they like your boyfriend? I just feel like maybe the two of them need to talk about it and figure out, like, okay, how can we move forward with this? Instead, I feel like Brooke, like, immediately goes on the attack, which, it's valid, I understand that it's valid because of how her heart was absolutely broken in season one. But I get it. Just talk to each other. (laughs) But at the same time, it's like this entire season, she has been on, she's been so worried. And I noticed that more now with this watch than I did when I was 15. I will say that. To the point, yeah, where you can't even enjoy their relationship as a viewer so much because Mm -hmm. Brooke is just constantly in this state of panic. 
she's constant and then like Lucas calms her and then she's panicked and then Peyton calms her and then she's panicked and then it's just like this constant up and down up and down up and down the entire season and it's exhausting actually so yeah. I would understand if someone is being uh, can we call it gaslighting I, I, I guess in this way like they're telling her things it's- are okay I mean Lucas I don't think was because I think Lucas I think he loves Brooke I don't think he really has p- feelings for Peyton in this moment personally um i mean i wouldn't even blame peyton for this either this is so interesting how like i'm defending yeah. peyton <laughs> I, I did not think you would at all i love this <laughs> i mean i peyton's you know she's my she's my girl but like this i know this storyline's rough for me yeah but w- what was i gonna say though i i feel like uh both peyton and lucas while they may have feelings for each other they don't want to necessarily admit it out loud, and they haven't admitted it to themselves yet. I think Lucas is at this point where he genuinely does feel genuine love for both of them. Like, he is in love with Brooke, and he also can be in love with Peyton at the same time. And, you know, you can feel two things at once. Yeah. You look nice, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Remember he says the her at the wedding? That was cute. That was cute. Yeah. Ugh. I- that, I don't think you I mean, should have said that. Yeah, it's wrong, I guess, but you could tell someone they look nice. There was just a little, there was an underlying tone there. I know, but it was just, like, kind of weird. I was like, you look nice. Like, th- there was definitely, like, a romantic undertone there. Because he couldn't say anything more than nice, because then it would be construed as something more. But, yeah. yeah. So, I personally don't think Lucas, he cares for Peyton, of course. I don't think he's really in love with her in this moment, but... I don't know. I have to. Th- I guess I have to think about it a little bit more. I, I feel like it's more one-sided right now. Like Peyton has the feelings. I don't think Lucas. I don't know. If Peyton didn't have the feelings. I don't think. Ugh, I don't know. I just don't think Lucas knows. He, he's Maybe not willing to admit it to himself yet. But we'll see. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and the other storyline that I want to just touch on real briefly. Yeah. Sure. Oh God, the episode when. Ellie dies. Yes. I was bawling. I'm going to be honest. Oh. <laughs> That's like one of, I don't really, One Tree Hill doesn't really make me cry. There are other shows that make me cry, but One Tree Hill's never really been one to make me cry, but that episode does. I had a VHS tape with, uh, <laughs> with a select few episode. It had episode, uh, episode nine, episode 12, 13, 15, and 16. <laughs> And I would, like, watch, and, and you know, and I I uh, recorded them and, like, cut out the commercials, which, back in the day, kids, what you had to do was, if you wanted to do that, you had to hit the record button. When the commercials came on, you had to stop it. Oh, my gosh, yeah. And then when the show came back, you had to hit record again. And I would watch that VHS tape over and over again. But that's wow. besides the point. <laughs> Talk about the episode where Ellie dies, though. <laughs> it's gut-wrenching. That's a good episode overall. And that storyline in particular, because it's with the rainstorm and the blackout. Mm-hmm. It just the song, everything about it. the the songs that are played, the the conversation that Peyton has with Ellie sitting on the bed and she's talking about that concert, and then that song's playing as she dies, and yeah, and then Peyton carrying the CDs, and you just know, you know, she's going to find Ellie dead. Like, you know it before she walks in and drops those CDs, and it's just, it gives me chills. It makes me want to cry right now, <laughs> honestly. Seems- it also is, like, a, a subject that's, like, 
don't know, my grandmother died of breast cancer. It's very, very, it hits, it's personal. So I feel like I feel that, that yeah. makes it more emotional for me. I um, got you, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I watched it. It was just, it's such a good episode. And I felt so many emotions like I was watching it for the first time. It, it's amazing. It's so good. I can't wait to get to these stretch of episodes. <laughs> We're in season three. That's th- Those are the only words I can, like, really muster at the moment. And we shall talk about season three from the edge of the deep green sea. Oh, you rhymed there. <laughs> I tried that. I'm like, I don't, I don't know how we're talking about this from the edge of the deep green sea. Like, <laughs> we're, are, to, are we at the beach talking about One Tree Hill? We are at the beach uh, because beach beach bash or whatever they call oh, it. Oh, yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> See, you're better. You're getting good at these transitions now. <laughs> anyway, next time we're discussing season three, episode two from the edge of the deep green sea. And taken from our OTH DVD box sets, the description reads, Hit the beach. Brooke throws a wild surf and sand party to celebrate the start of senior year. Meanwhile, Peyton's relationship with her biological mother grows more troubled. We'll We'll be be seeing seeing ya. ya.